Hello and welcome to episode seven and the first in 2023. Happy New Year! Woo! <laughs> this is the anti-racist economy with Kim Creighton. And last year we were dedicated to bringing forth conversations, very candid conversations, by the way, about the intersection of cultural events, pop culture, social change, and all the crazy dynamics. Actually, I'm sorry, that's an that's not a term I want to be using actually this year. And all the unbelievable yep. dynamics, all the there unbelievable you go. dynamics that are playing out in the social sphere, in the workplace, with the ever consistent mission to drive a world that is supremacy, coercion, discrimination, and exploitation free with Kim Creighton. And so I'm your host, uh, co-host Aaron Mills, your moderator, and we have Kim with us today. I can't wait, Kim, to talk to you about what you've been up to. Um, you were just away. You were away for a little mm-hmm. holiday break. I took, I was away from, I went to visit my mom. So I was away from, I shut the office down from December 14th to January the 9th. Um, because we, I believe in, um, that's the perfect time in the calendar, um, to reflect, to wind down, to hibernate, because that's what winter is about, you know, doing a little hibernation. And so, um, yeah, I just, it was, it was funny because the conversation we were about to have um, about school, um, it was the first year in years or time in years that I didn't have shit to do. So I was like, why? I just it really made me realize that I had not had a real vacation where I wasn't sneaking in homework or work or and all that. And and people think think about that. Who, who if you're listening, when have you? When was the last time you ever you shut it all off and just veg? You did whatever that is. Fed your television program, read a book, go for what just not having that guilty voice in your back of your mind, like you should be doing something. Why are you doing why are you not doing that thing? You know, you got a to-do list to do that. I didn't have any of that. So what it allowed me to do was kept having this, this recurring imagery every morning when I woke up that I was because I'm fundamentally shifting how my business operates and how I operate to align with com, com, um, um, supremacy, coercion, discrimination, exploitation free. Um, I really felt like every day I was just slowly turning a cruise ship around because it's not a canoe. It's not a yak, a, a kayak. It's not even a rowboat where you could just, you know, just turn a cruise ship. You can, if you remember back when the, um, that that tanker ship got caught in the, in the, I think in the, I don't know if it's the Panama Canal um, during, yes. during COVID yes. and how long it takes to move. And this is why this work is so important because we're always trying to do something instant, always trying to do microwave. This is not, we, we laughed about this though. This <laughs> is not microwave. This is slow cooker, crock pot stuff. And you have to take your time because when you, you know, you leave for work, you put all your ingredients in there, you got your, and you come open and you open the door and all you smell is the, ah, that is what this is. So I slowly found myself just in my logical, how I was thinking about the business. Every day I just kind of slowly, and till I woke up one morning, I'm like, oh my God, the cruise ship is turned around and this is where we are. <laughs> 
Right. So, so spending the time away drove a lot of clarity for you in terms of where you want to take. It really helped. Mm -hmm. It really helped because, you know, back in, I guess that was August when I was in LA and you and I were talking, I was like saying, I really felt that that was the end. At first I thought it was end of a chapter and I was like, no, it's the end of a book. And Mm -hmm. so this time allowed me to actually internalize ending that book and starting a new book. So I needed a delineation. I needed a, a breathing, a gap between that old work and the work I'm moving for, like the future is free work. I need, I needed a gap between cause a scene and future is free. <laughs> yeah. And, and how do you feel about 2023? What are you excited about? Oh my God. I'm excited about a lot because there's so much on, I mean, the world in the next two years is going to be an absolute shit show. I already know. We know that I've been talking about it forever. I, 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 it's not about a prediction. It is about seeing patterns. <laughs> and the next two years, and not just in the U.S., globally, if you're looking at the politics, if you're looking at the economics, if you're looking at a whole bunch of things globally, the next two years running up to 2024 is going to be hell. So 2023, I'm excited about... Um, Again, we've turned this, the, the crucible around. We're in a new book, writing those new chapters. Because the how, oh, a great analogy. When you start, if I, if a book or a movie doesn't grab me in the first, I'll give it 20 minutes. I'm done. So what this 2023 is, is doing the, 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 the preface and the introduction of the new book, putting the right stuff in place the right messaging in place, targeting the right audiences. So that's what this, I'm excited. It's going to be a year of experimentation, if nothing else. <laughs> Absolutely. Plus a coming out party for the book itself, which is now out. Yes. Like globally, like you can get yes. this book everywhere. It's so exciting. Yes. So yeah. exciting. Yeah. Um, it is, it is out. You can get it online. And if you choose, cause I kind of like this, if you, Go to your local bookstore, independent bookstore, and request it. And so then you're and you're supporting the people in your community. But it's glow, it's out all over the world. And I'm just like, that was again, literally starting a new book, you know? So that was literally. the thing. <laughs> it's funny because I started 2022 with no idea I was gonna write a book. That was never that wasn't in our plans when we talked in January. <laughs> I know. I know. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited about everything. I'm just excited. I see there's so much upheaval, but there's so much opportunity in that because this upheaval needed to happen. And so I'm trying to position myself and my community in in a way that we can leverage supremacy, coercion, discrimination, expectation free future. Yeah, well, it's a great segue into our topic for the for the episode. You had mm-hmm. to make you had to make a really big decision to position yourself for how you feel today and your clear yes. vision for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to I, when I closed that book. When I closed it, when the book ended in in August, something was hanging over, and I had to finally make a decision about this thing. It was like this headlights coming toward me and it was keep preventing me from moving preventing me from turning the cruise up around and I had to let it go so you want to dive into it let's talk about it I think and I love that we're sort of dancing around what is this exactly thing? Exactly. we're getting really good at this what is this big thing I think too to, to further that it's it seems very ironic because the thing that you had to walk away from 
is intended to be the ticket or, or the belief is that this is typically the yes ticket. The, 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 the the narrative is that I needed that thing yep. to do what I had planned and I had to grieve that I had to go through letting that go because this thing I've been we've all been told means wherever your station is in life that this thing is the magic ticket. And as I kept going, I realized it wasn't the magic ticket that I'd been sold, <laughs> literally sold. <laughs> um, literally. Yeah, literally sold. And not only that, but it was causing me harm. It is, and has been causing me harm the whole entire time. So let's stop teasing and let's get into it. What is this thing, Erin? <laughs> This is your decision to walk away from uh, your pursuit. And you were very far along of your advanced degree, advanced degree. So yeah, before, I, only, mm-hmm, before I was going to say, we could all, it would also be helpful to give our listeners an idea of like what your educational trajectory was and kind of how you found yourself yes. pursuing this So degree. I have an undergraduate degree in interior design. <laughs> I have a master's degree in training and development. And as I say in the book, and I've said, I say in, in talks, um, I was pursuing a doctor's of business administration, which is a, M- a business administration degree, like an MBA, but at the doctoral level. So, uh, uh, but I was in a, not only a research program, but a, it was a practical degree. It was a scholar practitioner program at Walden University. And um, I went, started that program in 2014. Um, April, 2014, found out my dad was diagnosed with cancer in June of that year. My dad died in August of that year. So um, the reason I started that program, because I've had mentors, I've had, I mean, I have no problem with asking who people think is the best to help for help. So I was trying to get, and I was never able to find someone who could help me understand how to build a business. And now I know why particularly after writing this book, which also was like, once I finished the book, I realized I finishing degree, finishing degree, the degree was not what I wanted to do. Um, and we'll get into that. Um, but um, what people normally talk about, about building businesses, it's all about product and service, which is not a business. They talk about how to, you know, get your MVP, your minimal viable product and how to get funding, all these things that they, people cobble together, but they don't make a business. And so I had decided after years of of trying, Googling it and getting, I mean, the best of the best entrepreneurs to help me and they still not, and still not being able to get there, decided to go get it. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to, because this is something that I've always wanted to do. Um, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I want, I mean, I don't, I didn't want to just build businesses. I want to be a person who thinks about solving problems and creates a solution. And for me, those are businesses. That's just how my brain thinks. Solutions are businesses to me. I can think of a, I can see something walking down the street and come up with a business idea, but I had no, I don't have friends and family to help me pay for shit. Um, I don't have anybody in my community, like I said, could help me understand it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go get this education. 
And from the start, again, that first year was tumultuous because, oh, also I decided to leave education and go into tech. So I had started school, cancer diagnosis, dad died, and then entered tech all in 2014. So it was a lot going on. And so, um, and honestly, when I went to the program, I, it was not for me about, um, it was not for me about um, getting the degree. I never, I wanted the information. Right. But I Which, found myself getting, getting caught up in pursuing the degree. Interesting. Because I was going to say, it's for so many people, it's actually the opposite. Yes. A lot of folks go into it for the optics, for for the credential, right? Yes. The, the, the information. I, I am an information junkie. Right. I wanted the information. And that was the only place that I saw that I could get it. And Walden was the only school that I saw um, First of all, I didn't have to take any tests because I was like, I'm not taking standardized tests. It's bullshit. I'm done with that shit. So, but also Walden, and I didn't realize how important this was going to be to my work. As a scholar practitioner from Walden, all of our research, all of our work, all of our scholar, scholarly work has to be rooted in social change. And so having talking about business, when every assignment I have to write is about how is this impacting society? led me to start asking questions about why does the economy work this way? You know, that kind of, yeah. so it started. So what happened was I finished my core classes and started my research. And I'm going to be honest, I was, I was months away from finishing. I'm going to be honest. That's how close I was. And that's why this decision was so hard. I was months. I mean, literally maybe less than five months away from finishing because all I've, I've already done my research. It was just a matter of writing it up, going through the process of getting it, you know, edited and all that and finishing it out um, when I walked away. And so um, once I did my coursework and started doing my, first of all, when I started doing my coursework, that's when I started doing consulting. So again, scholar practitioner, I needed to practice what I was learning. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a theory person that makes, I have to, and I don't talk about things that I don't know. So I had to go. So I started um, helping friends build their businesses, all kinds of just start testing out the things that I was learning. So once I got to finish my coursework and got to the, because the, 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 we, so again, okay, let me be, let me want to make some clarity because people, a PhD in management is, is on the same par as a doctor's of business administration. But a PhD is a theory. That's why they take seven to 11 years to finish because they are actually creating theories. They are, they are building theories. A DBA is a practitioner degree and we are testing theories. Okay. That's um, so, so my research is in, in learning organization which was developed by Peter Singh. So that's what my research was couched in, the conceptual framework of learning. Um, so everything I was thinking about was in, how does this fit in within learn? I was testing the theory of learning organizations. Well, surprise to me, I ended up doing both because I ended up developing the profit without oppression theory, <laughs> economic theory as I was doing this work. <laughs> so what it turns out is as I was doing, you know, doing my own research, getting ready for, I was already doing what the degree was supposed to allow me to do. And, um, and then we'll get into, so that was, that was the, I'll say the concrete or the object, 
objective parts of why I stopped because I was already doing it. I could see if I was just entering my career, but since the time I was 14 when I started to now I have a business. I'm doing that work. I'm not I, I'm in, I'm doing the thing. So the degree wouldn't help me um except for those people who want to work with me because I have a degree and I'm like fuck you. I'm not that's a, no, it's a piece of paper that I have the knowledge, the knowledge and skills that piece of paper means nothing. So I'm going to stop there because that's the objective, concrete parts of why I stopped. And you now we're going to go into the subjective reasons for why I stopped. Yeah, absolutely. And so again, just setting the stage here, we're talking about a six year trajectory, essentially. No, excuse me. Eight year trajectory, eight year trajectory. And the thing is, I was yeah. supposed to be out in, it was a three-year program. And I felt so much anxiety because I didn't finish in three years. But again, I'm a practitioner. I have to practice. And that curriculum, how they had it set up, did not make space for me to do that in a way that my ADHD brain works without feeling so much shame about still being in the program. Right. So, and, and, and then the, again, the irony is that you get, you got the most value from practicing. So yes. by taking the time to put it, put what you were learning into practice, to test those theories, you were actually doing the work, you were building your consulting practice and building your brand and building an entirely new economic theory. Um, yes. So, so that was the unintended consequence. Uh, uh, it's, it, you weren't following the rigor of the program. You were doing it your way. Mm-hmm. And it led to incredible outcomes, but it eventually led to this kind of, I'll call it a come to Jesus moment um, where you really had to, 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 to evaluate the subjective, as you said, the subjective impact that, that this was having on your life. And I guess my first question to you, Kim, would be at what point did you notice that it was causing harm to your like psychological well-being? Years, years, years. years. When my dad passed away, I didn't, I, I, the, he, had the, he had the funeral on a Saturday and the next semester started that Monday. And I just like, okay, I got, again, a black woman. I got to do, I got, I started this. I got to finish it. Da, 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 da. Because again, I was interested. I was really, but I wasn't mentally ready for it. Um, and for a long time, the harm that I was experiencing, I attributed it to my, to my issues. Was I still grieving? Is it, and it wasn't until I started unpacking systems, institutions, and policies as my work that I started seeing, oh shit, this isn't me. Particularly being on Twitter and seeing so many black academic, uh, academics, particularly black women, I'm realizing, oh, this is a shared experience. This isn't just me. And and so many of them who have doctors in front of their name right now have been are still traumatized by that situation. But they chose to stick it out. And that was that was my intention. My intention was just to keep your head down. It's only going to hurt a little bit longer. Just finish. So it, it's interesting. It's like the two forces were diametrically opposed. Like on one hand, you are trying to proceed in the manner in which you've survived the world. You've shown up, you've given 110% because that's the only option for you as mm-hmm. someone from a marginalized community who doesn't 
who's not extended grace, who's not given the benefit of the doubt. So, so you've, you've got this, this, this force driving you, you're internalizing the challenges that you have, right? That's your first instinct. Because I quit, because I quit once and went back. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, Because I got, um, I quit once and then all the, from people who, particular other people, other black women with degrees, why you, why'd you quit? You shouldn't quit, you quit. And so I, I actually want to reframe this. I did not quit because that's a that's a, the word quit has a whole different connotation. I chose to walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a choice. Um, and so I had even after. So when I said I, I chose to walk away before, no, I quit that time. I did because I was like I was I was burnt. I was burnt out, and. I only went back was because I had spent a year practicing and it was like, oh, now I can finish because I could not get to the research. The research wasn't making sense to me yet, but the program wants you to do your course, get these. I mean, they literally say you should be from the time you finish your coursework from the, the time you get um, started working on your pr- perspectives, not even your proposal, your perspective working on your perspectives to the time you get your degree should be five semesters, which is a year and a half. That then it took me a quitting working for a year to mm-hmm. like, Oh, now this makes sense. Okay. Now, and then I could go back. I couldn't, I could, and that was, I was struck. I was so gaslighting myself. My chair was the whole system was gaslighting me because mm-hmm. I wasn't grasping it because I hadn't done it. Right. Yep. And so I had to go out and do it. And then I was like, okay, and then I can finish. And then um, (laughs) I decided to go back October 19th. I mean, 2019 pandemic. Yeah. (laughs) So I decided 2019, October 2019 to go back. I was going to go back January 2020. And that's when I was rocking and rolling and all hell broke loose again. And so, yeah. So I've been literally fighting myself since January 20. No, well, I'll say about March, 2020. Was there something like, as soon as you went back March 20, like, was there, was it kind of present again? Like the feeling like, like, well, I started in January and it it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was right off the bat because so much of the feedback that you get is so subjective and also, I had my own shit about school and that I hadn't dealt with being a, um, a, a person who my math teacher at elementary school put me in the dumb group. Um, you know, so I had all these like when it what and again, when this is why a particular like when tech and tech people say, oh, learn to code is easy. Stop saying that learning anything is hard and learning a language is 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 it's exponentially harder and when you excuse me and when you tell adult learners that something is easy we internalize we say well then it's not when then it's me and then that means tech is not for me and that's Mm -hmm. not true it's I'm looking at curriculums and saying you're not you're not succeeding because the curriculum suck they have not considered or adult learning theory They, they so whoever wrote this fucking curriculum wrote it in the manner of how they code that's not how that's not how you teach and so um and again what's funny is that's how I started speaking that's how I got known in tech talking about that and how we needed to mentor people Mm -hmm. so again 
between I started speaking at 16, between 16 and and deciding to go back, I had spoken at about 30 different conferences around the world. I was actually doing the work. I was getting questions lobbed at me. So I was having an answer on. So I, I was internalizing the research or my 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 core and was ready to now do the research. Something you shared with me about your experience is that you just very rarely felt supported in school. So what, yeah, what was your experience like yeah. in terms of like the professors, at your the doctoral classmates? level, yeah. at, the, at the, at the doctor, first of all, this was a fully virtual. Yeah. Uh, we only went, and that's fine with me because, uh, but we only went, did live when we did residencies and that was, we did two of those and that was to help you get ready for your independent research, but it wasn't enough. It was like what they gave you was based on a lot of assumptions. And that's what I find uh, even where, why I started, why I even started um, the program in the first place. These mentors were making a lot of assumptions about the resources I could leverage or the networks I could leverage. I mean, there's a lot of assumptions going on. And so even when we did get together as cohorts, to um to talk there was a lot of assumptions going on there was a lot of information that was left out there was a lot of um um yeah and so like i had a chair and and it's, it's not fault to them but these are adjunct faculty faculty they're working at more than one university they have they have full-time jobs these people don't have the time to 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 yeah. to, to, to 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 support you they don't um, and so they they read your shit and get you to the next page. I mean, and, and critique it and get it right back to you. So I was always just frustrated with the feedback I was getting from my second chair because it didn't make sense. It was like one time he say something, I fix it. And then it's, it's like, be specific. what the hell are you saying? And I would just be so frustrated. And I was internalized. I was turning that on myself. Um, and so it was just unhealthy. Um, and, and what really made me realize that it was un not supportive was I ended up having to hire another black woman who does, who it works, help people work through this process. So not only am I paying for school, but now I'm having to hire somebody to, uh, um, at a hundred dollars an hour to help me. So she's helping me get my thoughts together. She's helping me to, um, to um, how how to do the research, how to find what I need to find, all the how to word this thing. She's helping me un understand what the feedback is because she was the first person to say, "Kim, you know their job is only to critique." Because for and this is what oh, well, I hate about academia. Period. From K, K to um, and also in some businesses, the idea that people only learn through pain. Yes, we do learn through pain. I don't want that to be my first, my, my first go around the, the, the fault, the, the default. Yeah. Um, and so when she's telling me you have to, she's like, don't take it. Cause I was taking their comments, their critiques, feedback personally. She's like, don't, you have to understand their job is to tear it apart. Hmm. I'm thinking if I did that with my special needs students, that just wouldn't, 
I can critique and give feedback without being, I mean, because my secretary would give like smart ass comments. That wasn't, why did you have to just tell me don't all the, I'm not, I've said this and that. Well, I didn't understand it the first time. So it's like, I'm arguing with a piece of goddamn paper because I don't have, because how they have it set up. I don't talk to this person. I talked to my first, my first chair and the first chair who's a white dude is trying to transfer. So he has no, he, he doesn't get it. Doesn't get it. You know, yeah. I should have had a black woman as a chair. I should have had a black woman as a chair. So he doesn't get it. So he's trying to translate something to somebody. He doesn't get it. So it's like playing te telephone game and it's just not being translated well. And I just did not feel supported. I did not feel validated. I, the whole process made me feel so stupid. I felt so ignorant. I felt not even ignorant because ignorance means not to know that's valid. I felt dumb. I felt like I felt when I was put in a dumb group in math and that was, I was paying for this. It was like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, it's not about the individuals. It was literally, it was about systems and institutions and policies. And it got to a place where just checking into, so we were doing Blackboard, just going into getting his feedback was causing me anxiety. And I was putting it off. I was just like, I had to be high or something just to read the feedback. Right, right. So you're getting triggered before you're even getting triggered. Like you're, you're and, and and then feeling guilty yeah. because I'm not going in there because you got you got homework to do. And that's one another reason that took so long because it took me. I every time I got feedback, it took me two to three months just to process what the fuck they were talking about, and for me and and that's money I'm spending. Right. Well, and as I hear you describe this, I mean, what you're describing is like, it's not an ideal. It's not ideal. Like it, it, no. I, the, the fact that, 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 the, but everyone around you is conforming to this idea of what it should be. And you even have an assistant who is an expert who says, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's their job to tear it apart. Like they've accepted these norms. Yes. They've, you know, yes. like, it's so deep rooted. That's like, oh, don't even take it personally. Like it's so deep rooted. And you're the only one like looking around being like, wait a minute, wait a because minute. Because I'm thinking about supremacy, coercion, discrimination, free expectation, free every single day, all day long. And right. so I find myself trying to survive a system that is totally counter to anything I would build. Right. And that was when I decided to walk away. When I fit, it was funny because I start the book talking about being in this program. I end the book explaining why I walked away, why I yeah walked away. Because I could not spend almost nine months writing something, living something and be having a whole alternative experience. I'm very simple. I'm not a part, I can't, I'm not a compartmentalized person unless like only reason I can do that if there's an emergency going on and I got to go into, we got to solve a problem kind of thing. Other than that, I don't live a compartmentalized life. Who you see me is right now is who I am at the doctors, when I'm in class, when I'm in church, when I'm in, um, uh, if I'm in church, <laughs> um, if I'm in a synagogue, if I'm at a mosque, I am who I am. I don't change. Um, and so I, I just had to, have honest like Kim, you are living. Why are you living a dual life? What are you what are you doing? This is not something you believe in. This is not not the schooling I don't believe in. I and I understand my privilege of having to, I got what I wanted. I should have walked away then. I should have walked away then. Because 
particularly after learning that there are people like um, Kristen, who's my coach, who's jo- who get paid to do this. I don't need them to do this. Also, another reason why I, was, uh, I walked away at the end, I don't want my work in peer, I don't want it peer reviewed. And we were talking about this in our meeting just before this. Nobody on my committee knows anything about my work. I am creating this as I go. You, they are not qualified to critique me on my work. And I say that because they will be critiquing me from positions inside systems, institutions, and policies that fundamentally I don't believe in. So nothing they would say to me. And when I realized that, and also that I was, got kind of addicted to, I can say it was like a power thing being called a doctor. And I was like, that's not why you started this. You can give a fuck about being a doctor. I don't, and also I realized having doctor also makes me unapproachable to some people. I don't want to put any barriers on my work. That's why I don't, I'm not into any sororities or any clubs, or I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't want my work to, for folks to think, oh, this is just for um, mediocre, unremarkable white dudes. Oh, this is just for Christians. Oh, this is just for black people. Oh, this is, no, profit without oppression is for of the future, a free, a free future is for everybody. And so that's what I started thinking about. I was like, that would put a barrier, particularly to people who have a, who've had really triggering ex- academic experiences. Mm-hmm. I didn't want doctor to be on the front of my name because we change how we act around these people. Most people do, I don't. But there's this this patina, is that the word? Yeah, veneer, patina of of, uh, grandiose. And mm, that's not me, I'm silly. I'm I'm very, I know my shit. I'm very serious about it, but I'm funny, I'm silly, I'm playful. I, yeah, it's the same thing. Or if I got, if I wanted to be ordained, I don't. People see minister, reverend, you know, uh, rabbi, whatever. There, there's a different, they approach these people differently. Right. I'm just yeah. Kim. I always say um, labels, labels lead to limitations. Like they yes, just. That's, that, that, I'm glad you said that. That's it. Because that's what it is. So it's not about yep. the label. It's not about the, no, it's not about the work. It's the label that becomes a barrier. Like you said, mm-hmm. labels create limitations. And, and that's when I said, okay, I'm already doing this work. I'm already, I just finished writing a damn book. I'm good. <laughs> and I got three more books in the pipeline. I'm good. I don't need this degree. <laughs> I mean, and, and in essence, you became the greatest case study of them all in your own and, book. And yes, exactly. I am modeling what... I am creating. Well, we can't wait to see what's in the next three books because we, let's talk about the alternative then, right? So, so you've rebuked the the popular convention of an advanced degree and what it it symbolizes. Well, also, and, I'm glad you brought that up because sure. also it's another reason why uh, this is the rebellious side of me because black women are the most degreed and advanced degreed in the world because we have to. And I was like, fuck you, I'm not doing it. 
Yeah. And that is such an interesting statistic. I almost think you need to repeat that for our listeners. I don't think most people know this. This is super interesting. Black women globally are the most degreed and advanced degreed because we have to have the pieces of paper that y'all systems, institutions, and policies say that give us, that even let us in the damn door. Right. Right. I shouldn't, interesting is not even the right adjective. It's devastating, frankly. It's devastating yes. because- and, 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 and this goes to back to our conversation about uh, student loans, right? I'm going to be, I thought my student loans was, I think the last I said 300,000. They're closer to $500,000. I have almost a half a million dollars in fucking student loans. And I, you know, as large of a sum as that is, the way in which you speak about your loans, and I've heard you, is even with that and that weight, you still practice gratitude and appreciation that you are in a position to get those loans. And what those loans- Yes, Mm-hmm. What those loans allow me, because without those loans, I couldn't have afforded. I didn't. I couldn't have afforded um, Walden. I couldn't have afforded, and that's again, it's an and. It's not a binary. Yep. You require black women to get these degrees, and yet you don't want to support us financially in getting these degrees. And so, even when Biden is talking about, oh, he's gonna. Um, He's going to, you know, people with $15,000 or less or for whatever the hell it was. It doesn't account for the fact that you need these black women in these spaces to counter this white fucking narrative. But we don't get a break. The people who have to have these degrees and you think we're some elitist. I'm not fucking Ted Cruz. I'm not fucking Ron DeSantis. I'm not fucking um, hell, even Liz Cheney. I'm not fucking um, hell, Jill Biden who all these people went to these great, fabulous schools. I'm at fucking Walden University online. <laughs> and yet, I didn't come from generational wealth. I didn't, my mom has a degree. My dad has a high school diploma. I was the first grandchild to go to college. So, and so that was also playing in it. You got to finish. You're doing this for the end. You know, you're doing this for the, there's so, there was so much weight in this that I was losing sight of why I started and what my work is. Mm-hmm. It became about the degree and not about what degree, the degree w- would facilitate. And when I started thinking about what the, what the gr- degree might facilitate, I'm already doing it. It's not going to facilitate anything new. If I need a doctorate to be in the space that you're talking about, then that's not a space I want to be in. If my lived experience and demonstrated knowledge and skills is not good enough for you, then I don't need to be there because I'm not begging you because I don't, you're not a person that I'm not seeking my valid. That's another thing. I'm not seeking my validation externally anymore. And that was liberal. When I made that decision, it was like a weight had lifted off me. Because I could put that energy to something else instead of, fuck, I got it. Oh my God. Okay, I'll, I'll just do 15. I mean, literally, my coach was like, just do 15 minutes a day. Just, do. I mean, it was it was that hard. It wasn't, it wasn't that I did not know the content, what I wanted. Sure. It was just getting my mind around, fuck, I got to go through this process. You literally had to microdose your work so that you could deal with the trauma. I mean, that's how caustic and like traumatic this experience was and ongoing for, for a years. long time. 
And I'm so grateful that you're sharing this with the listeners, because I'm hoping that folks out there are hearing this and just having the courage to think through their current commitments and decisions with this in mind. And, you know, I think the good news, certainly for for our listeners and everyone else out there who's going to be touched by your book and the books to come is that you can now focus on the alternative. So, So the alternatives that don't currently exist as it relates to education. Well, well, what's funny is my research is about uh, mentoring within organization. How do you get, how do you um, get tacit knowledge, how organizational knowledge sharing, that's what it is through mentoring. Mm -hmm. That is the mentoring book that I'm going to write. So I'm like, I don't need academia. It is the book that I plan to write. Mm -hmm. So the research is not, um, is not, um, it's going to be used. It's not being thrown away. It's the work that I do. What I'm not doing again is, excuse me, arbitrarily, oh, every citation you, 85% of the citations you have have to have, have to be within five years of graduation. So if you don't graduate, I've updated fucking citations three times. I was like, I'm not doing it anymore. That is such an arbitrary bullshit. I, and I get it because they, in their mind, it's a, it's a, not a theory. So in theory, in the theoretical PhD, you can have citations in 18th century. That your whole damn paper could be old as shit. But because it's a practical degree and it's about business, they think just because it's, oh, I mean, yeah, I get it. But there's some seminal research that I had to change because it was bad. It, it went outside that 85%. So now I'm sitting up there, calc- got a calculator. Okay, so how many... <laughs> Trying to figure an arbitrary fucking number. And so now if I got to change it, now I got to go searching for articles that that maybe use that article, but are more up to date. So now I'm spending a whole bunch of time doing just switching out articles. Right, right, right. Administrative, administrative churn. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's the shit. It was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Right. And then, oh, this is passive voice. You shouldn't be, oh my God. I don't need to be an academia. I don't want to write like an academic. <laughs> academic. I don't want my work to be sound dry and ugh. the book is not dry. <laughs> the book is, is, is yes. Yeah, so yeah, uh, you can't use contractions and you can't, you know, APA and uh, just all these things. And, I, and that makes sense if you, fu- if you give a shit about systems, institutions, and policies of academia. I do not. So I just found myself fighting myself over arbitrary shit that I just, like, Kim, why are you doing this? Right. This is not what you want to do. This is, this, this, this is not adding to your, your, the quality of your research. It just makes it, I mean, it makes it more uniform for academics, but that's not what my, that's not who my work is for. My work is for all of those people who don't have the privilege to get a degree and then go into this family's debt. That's what my, that's what my work is for. Who keep hearing, oh, just put in, just put in a little more effort. That's what's wrong. Just put, no, it's not the effort. It's the information. Right. <laughs> not the effort. So I got everything I needed from the program. I appreciate it. 
but the but the cost to me just mentally physically and spiritually was just a lot Ooh, I'm really sick of talk, talking about this. Can we lighten this up? <laughs> Let's do it. Well, hey, that's a perfect cue for can't two bitches be joyful. So if you, if you don't remember, that's our closing segment that we love. We just talk about what's making us happy, what we're vibing on. Uh, so Kim, let, I guess I can go first. Uh, yeah, you go. Yep. Cause I've been talking. Go ahead. Give you a moment to breathe. So I think what I'm really joyful about, uh, this week is that I have been trying really hard in the new year to just be a better manager of my own time, my own commitments, be more forthright in what I can do, be more honest about what I can't do as it relates to our work, as it relates to work with others. And it's going okay. It's not been easy. It's probably not going to be easy to continue and to maintain, but I feel good about the way I'm entering the year with, with the intentions in place. And so I'm feeling joyful because I, I listen, I, I like most people always think that the new year is a new slate. Like I love the new year. I, you know, I don't go, I'm not a new year's person. I don't love the parties or whatever. It's usually yeah. me, me and my husband making Mexican and falling asleep before the ball drops, that kind of thing. And we love it. Like, and that's for us. Yeah. But for me, there's something about waking up and just knowing it's a new year. And, 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 you know, yeah. so I, I feel that the, 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 the intentions I've set forth, I'm holding myself accountable. I feel like I have the stamina and the determination to continue to hold myself accountable this year. So I'm feeling hopeful and grateful. Grateful. One of the for that. things I want to I want to I want to um, add to that though is though you said it's you know it's not going to be easy. Da da da. The it's it's easier than the alternative, which is the the narrative and the voice in your head is you know better. You should have. Why did you do that? You dropped the ball. You let her down, or you didn't do that. It is so much easier than that because that right there is what destroys us. That right there is what keeps us out of the, getting out of the bed. So yes, it takes a little more intention. And, but when you put the policies and shit in place, it becomes easier. It becomes, Correct. this is how we do it. Just like saying dudes, you know, it's just, that's how we do it. Or saying folks, you know, yep. it is like, at first it's like, like any habit, but once you get it, it's like, okay. I, I just like the meeting we had, it was had a totally different cadence, totally different feel because everybody was like, okay, this is what I can commit to. This is how we go. And we got so much accomplished. So much accomplished. So much accomplished. So I'm happy for you for that. And, and, and I want, and I wanted to bring that up because I don't want people to think, oh, it's all the work is for not. No, the, all that extra work is so you don't have that internal dialogue just beating you down mm -hmm. constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's almost like just knowing where you are and always staying true to that, yes. you know, because you said it earlier, you said, you know, we have to meet people where they are. And yes. if you know where you are, then you're just being a good citizen. You can meet people. And that's why the first part of the book is know thyself. How can you meet someone where they are when you don't know where the fuck you are? Totally. Because you got to meet yourself where you are. Because yeah. that's why that's why on any given day, I will cancel my my schedule because I'm like, I'm not in it. And why would I force myself to have meetings with people when I'm not giving my best? They're getting the shitty part of me. They're like, what the fuck's wrong with her? All this other, again, that it's all that external subjective shit's going on when all I had to say was tell my assistant, 
clear my schedule and um, reschedule because I can't do it today. Mm-hmm. And even that's a privilege that I'm able to do that. That's right. That's right. Even that's a privilege. So yeah. So what I'm grateful for is what I'm happy about is um, I'm going to talk about um, Christmas just a little bit. Um, Bell, my Bell, she got to play with freedom again. Oh my God, it was the cutest thing. So we're still on. Eastern Standard Time. My mom's on um, Central Standard Time. And so every morning we were up early. Bill would jump down off the futon, go stick her nose in my mom's. Until Freedom jumps off the bed. And my mom's like, why is she in here so early? Sorry, she wanted her friend. <laughs> and then so as, soon as, she, as soon as he comes out, she get her nose right up to his nose. And she <laughs> and then they start running. It was so sweet because she doesn't get to play with other dogs yeah. because she doesn't feel safe around other people. And so she got a month to just, I mean, she played. <laughs> I love it. I was, I wasn't sure. I know Belle is very selective in terms of the company she keeps. So I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if yes. the other dogs, what type of dog yep. is freedom? He's a um, Chihuahua mix. Oh, great. Oh, so she was, yeah. And he's, and he's older <laughs> and he's laid back. So that was also helpful. He's not a excitable dog. He's just like, so when she was jumping on, you could tell she still got puppy energy. He'd still be on the floor. She'd be jumping off the futon and he'd just be like, okay. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, that yeah. is a reason to be joyful. Yeah. So, so, I, and so why I say that is that I've only been, since the pandemic, I've only been visiting my mom once a year. So now I'm going to go more, I'm going to go in April and in August so that um, my baby can have somebody to play with. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, good. Well, all right. I feel like we did well. First one back, we covered a lot of territory. So much excitement to come. So uh, we got a lot, a lot coming. So, all right. So with that, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll sign off and. all right, we are we are laying the foundation for a future that is hopeful, authentic, and strategic in action. Will you join us? <laughs> <laughs>